This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Well, thanks for tuning in. I'm going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 13 to get us started. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 13 says, Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with one another. And that passage is in reference to those who labor diligently in the word, uh, as Paul describes there in that chapter. And I wanted to lead off with that text to ask this question. You know, who doesn't love to be praised? Here Paul is encouraging that these Christians to encourage those who labor among them. Uh, you know, who doesn't like to be acknowledged for a job well done? And we have all kinds of ceremonies and formalized recognitions, right, as as people in the workplace or in education and all these different worlds, right? We have ceremonies and we have degrees and titles and accolades and medals. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with any of that. And that's what I want to get out of the way first. But something has gone wrong with us if we come to rely on those things uh, in order to do a good job, in order to uh, be faithful. Like all good things, praise and recognition can be perverted. It can be twisted to accomplish uh, sinful ends and destructive ends. For example, people can use praise to deceitfully um, try to manipulate someone uh, to further some scheme that they have with their victims. This is the way that Absalom stole away the people's hearts in Second Samuel 15 and verse 6. He would flatter the people as they would come into the gate and praise them in order to manipulate them and, and exalt himself, saying, well, if I were king, uh, I would handle this right away. Right. So he made people feel important in order to advance himself. And certainly, you know, on the giving and the receiving ends, there's a whole lot that can go wrong with praise. And that's what I want to spend some time thinking about today. In Romans chapter 16 and verse 18, Paul says that such people who use uh, praise as a means to their own ends, it says they're not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. For by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. So those on the receiving end of insincere praise are particularly vulnerable to deception. I think if they've come to need praise in order to feel validated. And this is a the specific danger, I think, that's worth discussion. Um, you know, our reliance on human praise as the only fuel to motivate us to, to serve God and, and, and help others. You know, re- relying on human praise gets us into trouble for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that Jesus condemned it. In Matthew 6 and verse 1, he said, Beware practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Right? So he had a number of things to say about this problem, especially in that chapter. If you go and you read all of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus really drives the point home and he talks about hypocrisy and how the religious people of his day by and large those who other people were looking up to as religious examples who prayed and fasted and gave alms but Jesus makes the point they did it only to receive the applause of men and that was the issue it was a pride feeding exercise and so Jesus says we ought to exercise discretion if that's an issue um, even if it isn't an issue, I think Jesus is saying you need to exercise discretion. 
to keep yourself in check, to avoid making a show of your service, whatever that translates to, whatever you're doing, um, and and think about the heavenly reward rather than any rewards that people have to offer you. And Jesus isn't teaching, you know, that public worship is impossible to do without seeking human glory, or that you can't pray in public, or that it's wrong to pray in public, or, or even sing praises to God. You know, he, he had already taught in the previous chapter, Matthew 5 and verse 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Right? But that but that's the key. That's the qualifier that Jesus gives. Do it. Let your light shine before men in such a way so that they're glorifying God, not not you. Right? And I think we get the point. So whether it, we're talking about um you know, being doing something that's visible to to the public or to our family or to our friends or in the workplace, or we're talking about something that's very private, that's only between you and the person that you're doing it for. In, in all cases, we're striving to glorify God, not self. That has to be our, our motivation. And we're serving and worshiping in anticipation of a heavenly reward, not an earthly one, and not certainly the adoration of men. Uh, you know, another danger is the moral and spiritual blindness that comes as a result of pursue, pursuing human glory. You know, we can get it in our minds that because we're approved and validated by others, well then I must be approved and validated before God. And again, Jesus offers us a warning in John five and verse 44. That was a huge obstacle to the people that he encountered every day. He says, how can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but you do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. Right. So it's possible to be so concerned with what other people think and so determined really to receive their praise and be approved by them that we miss out on heaven because we've we're blind to uh, what truly matters and that's being pleasing to God. So Jesus told these individuals that their obsession with human glory as they sought to receive glory from one another was the very thing preventing them from believing in him. And so long as human glory was their primary target, they could never accept the truth and obey the gospel. John was inspired to give the same commentary later in John chapter 12, verses 42 through 43. And this is what he says there. Many even among the leaders believed in him. That's Jesus. So many among the leaders believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. And so it's a sad, pitiful condition that keeps coming up again and again and again. And we can find ourselves in that sad, pitiful condition if we forget our real purpose and what ultimately matters and what should be motivating us. Now, again, I feel like I have to balance things out here and say, we, you know, Christians should know and scripture teaches there's nothing wrong with expressing gratitude to our brethren and commending each other for uh, the work that we see each other doing in, in service to Christ. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But we set ourselves up for failure when we come to expect praise from other people. And worse still, we come to rely upon that praise. Unless we say, you know what? I, you know, I don't feel appreciated here. Or I'm underappreciated, so I'm just going to quit. And I think 
what Jesus is is trying to realign our thinking to be is stop trying to stop working for praise from men. Just rule it out of your your thinking altogether. You know, Paul asked the question in Romans three. I think it's in verse twenty, um, maybe twenty one, somewhere around there. I don't have it in my notes, but he says, "Where then is boasting? It's excluded." Right, and so our focus should be on what Christ has done for us. And as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14, that should compel us, the love of Christ should compel us to teach others. And I think also by reminding ourselves that um, there's always going to be those who mock what we do in service to Christ and, and striving to live righteously. There will always be those who slander and revile good behavior. And so we need to take that into account uh, as well, that that's really the, the default setting. First Peter 4 and verse 4, They consider it strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of reckless indiscretion, and they heap abuse on you. Peter, especially First Peter, has a lot to say about that. And, and Jesus has more to say about it in the Sermon on the Mount as he talks about persecution of his people who are trying to live righteously in his name. And he says, Blessed are you when they revile you for my name's sake, and so on and so forth. So invariably, we're going to, if we're relying on people praise and we're looking for people to praise us, invariably, we're going to wind up disappointed. You know, and I know I'm talking about a different dynamic now here. Um, you know, other other Christians versus, you know, what to expect from the world. But the point is, is that, you know, we're we're going to wind up disappointed either way if we're looking for praise from our brethren don't expect that. Certainly don't expect praise from the world. But focus on and seek the glory which comes from God and only Him. Look for His praise. Look for His approval. And if we do, if we are, we're never going to be disappointed. Never. Hebrews 6 and verse 10, the writer says that God is so is not so unjust as to forget the love that you've shown toward His name. It matters to him, and it will always matter to him. So when you feel unappreciated or underappreciated, how do you respond? Do you remember is the first place that your mind goes through to is that, you know, it doesn't really matter, and I can't force anybody to express their gratitude, even if it's justified, even if it should be what they're doing. I can't, I don't have any control over that. But do I remind myself, too, at the same time that it, it does matter to God and, and find satisfaction in that knowledge, knowing that he says it matters to him. I certainly don't want to lessen my efforts to serve. You know, do you as a husband or wife cease to live up to the standard to which God has called you because your spouse is an unbeliever and is maybe mistreating you? Well, Peter has something to say about that. Remember in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he's talking to wives specifically, but he says that they should keep their behavior uh, excellent so that as their husbands observe their respectful and chaste behavior, they can win their spouses without a word. And he's talking to these ladies who have, you know, unbelieving, maybe unfair uh, husbands. Right, but the uh, the principle I know he's talking to to wives, but the principle carries over to men as well. Just look at First Corinthians seven and verse sixteen. So I just offer that up as as an example. If this, you know, you know, if you find yourself one of those being one of those people who is tempted to 
pump the brakes and say, well, because I'm not appreciated here, maybe I'll go somewhere else. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll slow down. Maybe I won't do as much. And then, then they'll realize, or he or she, or my husband or wife, or my kids will realize just how much I do. Well, that, that's a telltale sign. All the, that kind of thinking and those uh, talking that way is a telltale sign that our heart is in the wrong place. And we've come to rely upon the praise of men and recognition of men, family or brethren or world or otherwise, whatever recognition we're looking for. And if we're not getting it, we come to this place of bitterness and retaliation. Our heart's in the wrong place. And so we need to refocus, we need to refocus and realign ourselves and pray to God to incline our hearts to pursue His glory. His praise that will be incomparable to any anything that we could receive and any earthly reward we could receive in this life, or anything that we suffer as a, as a you know as a negative, you know thinking about the persecution that Peter promises and Paul promises and Jesus promises, Second Timothy three twelve, the the even the suffering is it's going to be worth it when we receive God's glory. There is a reward that's coming, but we have to remember um, to be patient and to seek it. And also remember, too, that there is reward in doing God's will. John thirteen seventeen, where Jesus says, blessed are you if you do these things. So we can find our comfort, assurance and joy and validation. And, you know, if you want to call it this, you know, some sense of uh, relevance I don't think there's any, God's built that into us, right? We, he wants us to to know and understand we, ha, we have a purpose and that our lives aren't void of meaning and that he is watching and it does matter to him. And so, I, you know, I don't think there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel if you want to relevant, if you want to put it that way. But the point is, is that we need to find it in the right place and serving God according to his word. And trust, as he says in Hebrews 6.10, that we're, we're relevant to him. It matters to him. First John 3, verses 18 and 19 say, Let us love not in word and speech, but in action and truth. By this we know we are of the truth, and we will assure our hearts before him. And so I want to leave you with that. We, we have to ask ourselves, what motivates me? And do I serve to be popular? Do I serve to be applauded and honored by men? Do I serve because I love God? Do I serve because I hunger and thirst for righteousness and I'm looking for that heavenly reward that He's promised, knowing that anything that anyone offers me here will never come close to satisfy me the way that He can? I appreciate you tuning in, and I look forward to studying with you again. This has been Faithful Sayings.